Hey, it's your boy, Day 4 of the Connected One. We are here today with the one, the only, Nick Cowling, who is the CEO of Citizens Relations. Nick, what's going on, man? Hey, Dave. Well, great to be here. Um, we're here. We're going to talk about, well, I'm sure it won't be the only thing we talk about, but we'll talk about our latest thought leadership in the uh, Citizens Connections report. It just came out. Right. So let's go into that. What is that all about? Well, we, I would say actually late 2022, um, we started to see some trends in sort of what was, you know, let's call it general conversation. So not just in the, in the news media, but social and so forth that sort of talked about this lack of connection that was growing bigger. And of course, everyone had seen the, you know, the mental health uh, challenges that were growing in concern. Uh, since the pandemic. And so we thought, you know, it'd be really great to find out how this is going to affect the marketing or communications industry, um, you know, how it was affecting, uh, you know, consumers and, and what they were taking in or what they were reading, how they were engaging with brands. Um, and then I think it was early this year, uh, the U.S. Surgeon General declared loneliness uh, to be more fatal than smoking or obesity. Come on. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's massive problem. You think about, um, you know, I, I, to put it crassly, maybe like since the pandemic, since we sort of come back into the world and interacting live, um, you read about it all too often where people are waking up one day and they're deciding to harm strangers. And that is just not typical human behavior, right? There has generally been a mental health uh, challenge that was probably exacerbated by the pandemic. I don't think it started there by any means, um, but it caused uh, a lot of people to have a lot more problems. Um, and <clears throat> I think they, you know, when we when we looked at it from a connections perspective, we also saw like you think about the kids that were in their formative years in school during the pandemic and, and how that's had an impact on them. Um, we're seeing it in in the workplace, right? I read all kinds of articles about, you know, um, organizations that are having to train for soft skills that used to be standard because they would, you know, people would learn them just going through standard social situations. It's, it, it changed so many things. We formed brand new habits while we were sort of shut in for the better part of 18 to 24 months. Uh, and it greatly affected our, our mental health as, as maybe should have been expected because we are social beings, right? having a relationship with multiple people at varying levels is, is critically important. Now, hold on a second, Nick, you're well-known, you're a respected guy in the business community. You run a global agency. What the hell do you know about loneliness, man? Come on. Oh, listen, I had the, probably the exact same experience if, uh, um, as many did, uh, you know, going into, I remember going into the shutdown and everyone was talking about how we'll be back in three to four weeks. I did not expect that. I, fully I said I remember saying to my assistant Angela saying because she's like oh how long do you think we'll be out I was like I, I don't know I think this is months we're talking about maybe by the end of the year <laughs> and she literally the look on her face is like you're kidding me I'm like it's this this sort of stuff um you know you see it in movies but the fact of the matter is there's just no way to recoup that fast so while I don't I was kind of hoping we weren't all going to be shut in our houses which we were for months and months I didn't think there was going to be a return to that sort of typical behavior. Um, and, you know, listen, even though I was, I know, typically an optimist, but in this case, I was a bit more of a pessimist and I was still way wrong, 
right? Like our, what was our, in Canada, I think Ontario specifically, I think our last lockdown was January, 2022. We were shut down. We were locked in our homes again for yet another month. Right. Um, Those periods I can remember. I mean, first of all, we're in the middle of a pandemic uh, or uh, the first global pandemic in in my life anyway, Um, unless you were, I guess, a hundred plus years old, it was first for everyone. There was absolutely (laughs) no playbook for this. There was no one to lean on. There was no one who had experience in this. There was no one at all that had any answers. Hmm. Um, I'm sitting at home and luckily I had a home office set up because we already had kind of a work from anywhere um, uh, process in place anyway. And I remember I like to jot things down in my notebook and and say them out loud. And I was trying to come up with some messaging that was going to keep people engaged, but keep them safe. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think it took me three hours to come out with my first like three minute video. Wow. Um, And I remember so many times, like literally hanging my head going, I got I have no one to go to like I don't know who to ask. I was maybe the first time in my life. I didn't feel like I could go anywhere to get that. Okay. Um, you know, fast forward to that last lockdown, I remember it in particular, because of course it's like the doldrums of winter here in Canada in January as well. And, and literally at moment, having moments, uh, believing it, this was never going to end. It was literal despair. <clears throat> and, uh, as I say, like I, I was just dying to go to the gym. I was dying to go to a restaurant. I was dying to, like, I remember meeting my friends once a month in a coffee parking lot, in a Tim Hortons parking lot to have a coffee in separate cars. Like, <laughs> it was uh, it was an awful time, as, a, as I know it was for, for everyone. So, yeah, did I feel loneliness? Yes. So, Dave, like... Like everyone, well, most people, I hope, um, love my family, right? I have have two kids. They were, they were late teens at the time. uh, And my wife and uh, we're all, again, sort of stuck in the same four walls. And while we enjoy each other's company, didn't want to just interact with each other 24-7. So I remember moments where we were literally all in different rooms, just trying to get a bit of a break. Um, And yeah, those moments were incredibly lonely. I remember also talking to several friends who are, you know, executives or working at other companies. And uh, for the first time, they were telling me about how they were, you know, experiencing depression, didn't know what it was. Um, It was something that was new to them. And they were having a hard time talk to their, again, their spouse or their own family about it. Wow. Um, It was tough, tough for everyone. And I think coming out of the pandemic was the hardest part, right? And, you know, we saw that in some ways, you're seeing some of the results even three years later uh, come out in our connections report where people are, you know, because it wasn't just the pandemic, of course, we saw this massive rise of social justice. We were still dealing with an incredibly polarized political state, right? Not just in one country like the US, it was happening everywhere. Um, and it's, you know, those are the things that were starting to create bigger divides between people who knew and uh, um, knew each other and, and endeared one another for maybe their entire lives or a good portion of it at that we're now on completely opposite sides of the fence on an issue and deciding not to engage and interact anymore. Um, all of those things are contributing certainly to um, 
uh, to the loneliness and and a desire, I think, to you know shrink your own uh, social circle. Either you're again sort of afraid to engage on something that might be seen as provocative, uh, or you're not sure how other people feel about it, and you don't want to ask in case it means losing another friend, um, or frankly because you've trained yourself to have a much smaller social circle and and maybe not quite realizing how to expand it, even though you you may need more interaction. Now, this is quite a large undertaking to do a report of, of this magnitude, again, because it touches on so many different aspects of all of our lives. What is the, you know, what made Citizen take this on? Why this particular focus, this particular topic? Well, Dave, like we have, you know, our mission is to make every conversation count. And that's our internal mission. But we use that as a, um, you know, a mantra, right? So that whether you're having a, a conversation with a client or a colleague or your supervisor, otherwise, it's like, don't take, don't take any of those conversations for granted, make sure that, you know, you're, you're being purposeful, you're listening, and so forth. And I think this, when we looked at this report, we understood that conversation, of course, could be a catalyst to relieving some of that loneliness and certainly to being able to get through any of the challenges that people were having in that regard. So felt like it was a good fit. But secondly, of course, if people are communicating differently because they of their mental health and or their connection to others, including you know other people, but even to the brands or the organizations that they um uh, that they engage with, then that's also, we knew that that was also going to um, play a role in deciding, you know, how we're going to um, help our clients put together campaigns or even achieve objectives in regards to reputation, um, not just the transactional ones, but the ones that will, you know, make people feel good about the companies they, they uh, participate with as well. So what would you say would be one or two key findings that really surprised you and maybe one or two that did not surprise you about your findings from the report? Um, I feel like the biggest surprise was this juxtaposition between, um, you know, people, I kind of mentioned before, people are universally desiring more connection, but they are specifically holding themselves back from engaging with more more people, it's 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 literally wanting to you know uh, uh, have your cake and eat it too, and I wouldn't have been surprised if I heard one or the other right like oh people have a broader desire and they don't know how right or people are shrinking their social circle and they're realizing that's hurting them. Those two I think would have been a bit more logical, but the fact that they want both ends of that spectrum was was odd. I think the other one that was a big surprise for me was the clear need for both online and offline connections. So I would have expected, because <clears throat> we've all seen, you know, whether it's the Netflix specials or read articles about, you know, social media being toxic and so forth, that there would have been a, a lot of push against, oh, well, offline is not at all meaningful. However, there was a very specific need for that, particularly for people who have uh, niche interests, right? And I don't mean niche as in super small, but as in specific, right? So you might be into anime, and none of your friends or family are, but you know there's a mat, but there's a massive community out there who, who love it, and they want someone to engage in some of the, some of those interests. It doesn't have to be every interest, but on on that subject of anime, 
that's where I go to my my sort of online community and my online audience to to engage in. Um, whereas offline, of course, I'm not at all surprised that it's required. It's, you know, like even being on video does not at all replace being in person, right? Our brains fire differently. When we see another human being, you know, talking to us with their eyes lighting up, all of the, the sort of nonverbal communication um, has a total effect uh, in regards to that engagement and and broadly and largely increases the uh, the impact. So I feel like that that sort of uh, need for both is really important. And when I, even when I think about it from a marketing or communications perspective, um, mm-hmm. often, I mean, I'll see campaigns, whether we're doing them or, or uh, you know, um, other organizations are doing them, where sometimes the online and the offline are not necessarily disjointed, but they are not working together at the same time either, right? They may have completely different purposes. And while they can do that, there still needs to be a support system between them, right? So if you were, <clears throat> I don't know, let's say you were you were having a, a public event, could be something at a trade show, uh, Comic-Con, whatever it is. Uh, and then you create a digital experience, <laughs> if they are not feeding each other, then you're not maximizing what's possible. And you're certainly not allowing people to engage with both because you're almost asking them to select one or the other. Okay. And I feel like that um, uh, that need to be able to do both or engage in both those spaces can be a real critical uh, um, transition going forward. One of the interesting things that I noticed um, as part of your, your your data said that 50% of Gen Zers believe that mental health is a societal issue where brands can play a key role in helping bring change. Come on, a brand sells toothpaste. What impact can that have on mental health? Well, I think if you're literal, uh, you're right, Dave. But I think when it comes to communications or marketing, uh, as we know, like, you know, we would never go in and just talk about, uh, you know, the reasons to buy a particular product, the health claims or whatever you want, because A, it doesn't translate or, or connect as well anyway, but also, you know, B, it doesn't give any brand personality, right? It doesn't connect about what the company's like or what the product is about. Um, you know, you use toothpaste. That would take me immediately to someone smiling and smiling, I think, can have a huge impact on mental health. Um, but okay. I think what you're what you're talking about, what we did see when we asked pe- uh, people about a broad range of causes and issues. Um, so mental health was high on the list. Um, and then I would call some of the pragmatic or the sort of, you know, the rational needs. So things that, you know, not surprising people would be talking about today, food insecurity, um, you know, home insecurity, all of the things that are economic because, rising interest rates, we have a bit of a, you know, the economy is not faltering, but it's certainly not chugging along. And so there was a real stress um, on people's wallets. So I'm not surprised. But I think the underlying theme there is that what they're saying is work on causes that are needed right now, that we believe can be universal, as opposed to you know, specific causes that may feel like, uh, I don't want to call them a nice to have, but like, let's worry about that sort of baseline of uh, Maslow's 
needs first because we really have to solve that. Then let's get on to some other other issues. Um, sustainability and climate change were were on the list. They were probably third or fourth, so it was still high up there. Um, but the you know first and foremost was uh, was as you mentioned was mental health, and because I think a lot of people are feeling it. There's also a uh, you know the other one one good thing about the pandemic was it kind of created this or I should say removed a bit of the the concern about talking about mental health like it sort of shrunk the stigma stigma right so maybe another reason why that kind of rise on arose on the list because people were like hey I didn't think it was okay or cool to really talk about it but now it is like yeah I would love companies to support that um, and I think there's you know not every company, not every brand or every product service and so forth are certainly going to do that. However, if there is a direct link or there's a connection that to be made, or maybe it's, again, it's a, it's a cause that the company supports, um, then, then I think they should absolutely lean into it and probably try to be more impactful than it's not about awareness anymore. Everyone is clearly aware. It's more about how are you going to have an impact and it doesn't have to be on everyone. It can certainly be on a specific group. Um, or a specific issue within mental health. Um, but yeah, there's there's a need and people want it. So yeah, it's, it sounds so it's very clear that the pandemic and work from home has had a is is here to stay and it's had a a huge impact on loneliness. Um, but I think it's probably fair to say that all change starts at home. Having said that, after you guys have completed the survey, have you there are there any new things that citizen is going to implement within its own culture? Um, yes, we've actually been focused on actually on mental health in particular for, um, uh, probably the better part of 18 months, but even in just this past year, uh, we, we wanted to give, well, we gave every citizen the opportunity if they wanted to become certified in mental health first aid. So everyone around the globe, and we had 65 to 70 people took us up on wow. it, which is, again, it's an intensive, pretty um, like, you know, there's some, obviously some topics within, within that, that are pretty stark, a little dark. Um, sure. and you know, we gave everyone fair warning about that. Um, and it's a two day investment of their time. Uh, but we were happy to, you know, financially support them if they wanted to do it. And I was thrilled to see there was again, such an uptake. So having people who can effectively recognize, and acknowledge when someone has, again, even just uh, a bit of anxiety to, you know, something much more serious um, and having them across every office, frankly, that we have uh, feels like the right thing to do. Um, and that will inevitably, I think, lead to, um, you know, much more uh, openness. And hopefully we can, you know, maybe we can um, get again, sort of get some direct some people to the services or the whatever they whatever support they need um, in order to you know uh, feel better. Um, we also engaged in this platform called Renaissance, and it's based Thanks. on I don't know if you've heard the book The Medici Effect. No. Um, so written by a guy uh, Franz Johansson, and he wrote his book, The Medici Effect, uh, basically about creating the intersection of inclusivity and innovation. So the idea that when you kind of bring two things together, that's the only time actual innovation actually happens, right? So you probably know about Medici family. They brought, uh, you know, artists and doctors and 
<laughs> musicians and people from all kinds of um, different disciplines together and actually caused the Renaissance. The platform we've been using for about almost nine months now. Um, and what it does is it gets the entire company to adopt these sort of really simple moves, right? Well, I could tell you about one. So this one that we're just finishing off, although we spend three months on each move. So I say we're finishing off, we'll still continue to do it, but moving on to the next one to, to learn. Um, it's called mm -hmm. Hidden Heroes and it's super simple. So if you think about it, everyone has like four or five, six people that they might go to on a regular basis. Like if I want to bounce an idea off of, I know exactly who I'm going to talk to right away, right? Okay. Someone comes to mind. Hidden Heroes asks you to not go to that person. Instead, pick someone else that's qualified that you wouldn't typically go to. So you can get a more diverse, a different perspective. Um, it's just a simple change like that, that actually, again, creates a little more inclusivity from a perspective, uh, you know, from the sense that you're, again, bringing more people into your, your inner circle, if you will. Sure. Right. Um, and again, broadening your own, uh, your own perspective, because chances are people who you go to are probably the ones that think like you, right? They're probably the ones who might agree. They might also be great debaters. So don't, you never know. But, uh, but typically, um, again, going outside that circle is going to give you a very, very fresh eyes. Um, yeah. So we hired a consultant to go and do workshops in offices, uh, across citizen, and working with Enneagrams, which is, uh, you know, one form of sort of work personality type profiles. Um, and, you know, what, and, and the consultant, what they would do is kind of walk through what the different profiles sort of lean into, what are their strengths, how to best work with them, and then how different profiles can kind of work together to get the most out of um, engagement. So that was, a, again, another thing that was really more about encouraging different perspective um, and getting people to think a little more, you know, providing some professional empathy, if you will. Um, but going forward, we're still experimenting with our hybrid model. Um, I'm sure we'll continue to tinker with that as time goes on. <clears throat> um, and then I, I think the, you know, we definitely see a need to create more social moments. Um, you know, so for instance, it's better to get everyone in the office in one day rather than give people an option as to what day they're going to go into the office. Right. Interesting. Okay. Because, you know, you've been in offices before, so you know there's a different vibe, there's a buzz, there's an excitement and an energy when a lot of people are there versus right. when 10 people show up, right? True. Um, it's pretty quiet. It doesn't feel like there's a real need to kind of go into the office in those scenarios. But when you're going to get something completely different from it, it's it's a bit more encouraging. I think the collaboration is better, the the engagement. Um, and, you know, even in, you know, some of our offices, like there's people who don't work on the same teams as, as others, yet they know each other and they would never see each other on a video call. So getting them in, in, in front of each other outside of just social situations, like, you know, summer or holiday parties, that sort of thing as well. It's important. So is this now is this the report and the findings from is that how is this now going to be a permanent part of the citizens relations DNA for internally as well as for clients like what's the next step here for clients Oh absolutely I think we've just scratched the surface on this Dave like you know this is going to be something I would I didn't want to say we're going to do annually we're already talking about you know what areas of the report do we want to dig deeper into um like even whether it's based on some of the profiles that we've created 
from the data, um, or frankly, um, being able to look into some of those uh, specific, uh, again, some of the situations that sort of came out of the report that we may dig in a little bit further. So um, you'll, you'll likely see some new releases um, that are a bit more niche, as I said, in the spring, um, certainly going into summer, we'll do a whole other full report coming out of the summer. Um, this is this is something that even the clients we spoke to so far is really connecting for them. Um, I think they are getting a different perspective um, and one that makes a lot of sense um, in regards to how they are communicating, how they're engaging uh, with their their various audiences and stakeholders as well. So are you saying this type of report will actually, they'll actually now start to change how they communicate with their, their clients and prospects? Yeah, we're making recommendations based on it. Okay. There's a CFO out there listening. Will this actually translate to more revenue for organizations or how does it? I think it can. Um, but I mean, listen, if you were to create a more meaningful engagement or connection with uh, an audience group, then depending on, again, sort of what you're giving them to act or transact around. Yes, it'll have, it'll have uh, uh, more of an, it'll have an increased effect. Okay. So we're just about to wrap, you know, wrap up here. But if I look back at what we've discussed today, it sounds like loneliness is not just felt by one group or one type of person. It can be felt by essentially anybody out there. You talked about meeting up with your friends in a Tim Hortons in your individual cars. Um, and again, this is from a guy who runs a global agency and has hundreds of people reporting to him. So anybody can experience and feel some type of loneliness within their careers, timeframes, time on this planet. Um, brands have a, not necessarily a responsibility, but they have a opportunity to bring a better and deeper conversations to their stakeholders. Uh, anything else I missed sort of as, as key points? I don't think you missed it, but you know, it was only a few days ago, but it was um, maybe Monday or Tuesday of last week where the World Health Organization, Dave, um, announced loneliness is the leading global health priority. Right. Like, you know, this is not just happening in Canada or North America or, or Western world. It's happening everywhere. Um, it is something that the world needs to worry about. So yeah, regardless of where your different stakeholder groups or um, you know communities you want to engage with, uh, no matter where they are and what age they are, um, they are at some level uh, in need for much better, much more meaningful um, communication that's going to help them connect or again, sort of help them get over the hurdle of some of the challenges that we faced over the last three years and probably aren't finished facing, right? Okay. Well, Nick, you know what? I always learn something by talking to you. So I appreciate your time today. Oh, thank you, Dave. Always appreciate being on. And we will uh, catch up very soon. There you go, boys and girls. The one, the only Nick Cowling, CEO of Citizens Relations. You'll uh, check the site. We'll have more show notes and links to the books that Nick talked about. Talk to you all very soon. Mm -hmm.